Hey, it's Kathy. I just want to let you know that I'm doing a free five-day workshop. It's called the Abundance Activation Challenge, and it starts today. And it's not too late for you to join us. Today is the last day to join. Go to kathyheller.com slash five day to sign up. The pre-party has been happening and it's been such a blast. There's so many high vibe women in there who are ready to call in more abundance. I know that you will love that you showed up for this. I'll be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern every day this week, teaching you how to become a master manifester. You are just going to have the best time. If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day. There are literally people who are not sleeping at night because you're their solution and they're waiting for you to step up and shine so that they can see you and finally get the result that they're looking for. They need you now more than ever. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business. It's about contribution. It's about meaning. That is what we seek that is what we truly want. And you absolutely are here to serve the world. And I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to ShipStation for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. Use my offer code DREAMJOB to get a 60-day free trial. Hey guys, it's Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I hope you had a meaningful, sweet Mother's Day. It was a mixed bag, <laughs> just to keep it super real. Um, I had one really lovely moment where I took my girls on a little walk around our neighborhood and we found little sticks and stones and we saw a couple butterflies and that was magical. And then um, the kids did bring me like Cinnabons that they made and artwork. And that was awesome. But at one point in the day, my husband and I got into an argument and I was like so upset. And I realized that one of the things that women can do a better job of and people in general can do a better job of is we really neglect ourselves. Like the people who love us, love us, but it's really hard when for a really long time we are depleted because we don't do for ourselves and we don't really clearly say, this is what I need. This is what I desire. And instead we're giving and giving and doing and doing, and we need a nap or we need a break. And then when we ask for it, instead of saying, this is what I need right now, or this is what would really make me feel great. Or, you know, we come from a place of like, oh my God, I don't understand. Why can't you keep the kids quiet for an hour? You know what I'm saying? So I I just keep learning that lesson over and over that I need to do a better job of saying, this is what I need and being better at knowing how to take care of myself. And I think we all could use that. Speaking of which, I'm really, really thrilled because this week, we start the here for this five day challenge because I'm here for this. I'm here for you. I'm here for all of it. And we're going to get into that this week. We're going to talk about what do you really need and what's going to make you feel more like yourself? What's going to make you feel more at peace and what's going to help you get through this time and what is possible during this time? If you haven't signed up, it's not too late. You can go to kathyheller.com slash here for this and it's five days. It's free. We start today. I'll be live every single day in our free group, which you will get a link to join when you sign up and I'll be there every day at noon Pacific. But if you sign up, we'll send you the replay, even if you can't be there. And I highly recommend you sign up because I'll be live every day. We'll send you the replays if you can't make it and you'll get the these awesome homework assignments and just so much great content that I think is going to make you feel so supported, so seen, and it's going to give you so much hope. So join me for that because I would love to spend that time with you. 
Okay. Now let's talk about today's episode because it's so good. You're in for such a treat. Patrice Washington is here. She is a best-selling author, a transformational speaker, hope restoring coach, a podcast host, media personality. She's also known as America's money maven, and she's the founder of redefining wealth and the earn more money movement for women. She's on a mission to redefine the term wealth and teach people to chase purpose, not money. And she's built a thriving community of high achieving women committed to creating a powerful life vision in their careers, home, health, and personal finances. She has some awesome books in her Real Money Answer series that you should definitely check out, but you also really just need to listen to her podcast, Redefining Wealth with Patrice Washington, where she shares her insights and enlightening guest interviews that's going to empower you to live your purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without chasing money. She's going to tell you about her unbelievable story, and you guys brace yourself because her words and her message are going to speak life into you. Without further ado, please welcome the one and only Patrice Washington. Patrice, I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for joining me. I'm so happy to be here, Kathy. You are so adorable. So filled with light and energy and enthusiasm and smarts. You are so smart. And you've been doing so much to help other women just get out of their own crap and level up in such a meaningful way. I want to talk about your story. So tell us first your story because it is pretty epic. Actually, my story really... I would say my defining moment came in 2009 when I was on the bathroom floor of my teeny tiny apartment, bawling and snotting and crying and saying, God, why me? Like, why me? How did I get here? I have been a good person. I operate in integrity. I treat people with respect. And how could all of this happen to me? And what happened was the recession hit. I owned a real estate and mortgage brokerage, which I started at 21 years old, built it to a seven-figure business by 25. And when the recession was first really rearing its ugly head, I was on hospital bed rest. I had taken a fall down the stairs in my house and it sent me into preterm labor at 20 weeks pregnant. And I hit Cedar sinai at 20 weeks and they said, ma'am, I'm sorry, this baby is going to come any moment now. And I did the only thing that I knew to do. I just prayed. I started praying, praying and praying. And what was supposed to be any minute now turned into several hours, turned into over a full day in that emergency room. And they admitted me. I end up in this room. And what was supposed to be any minute now turned into several weeks. Actually, it was a full 10 weeks before my daughter would come. So I lived in Cedar sinai Medical Center in Beverly Hills for 10 weeks. Well, around five weeks into that journey, though, Kathy, I'm watching the news, and every single day, they're talking about the banks closing down. And here I am on bed rest. I have 16 loan officers and real estate agents, and they cannot close a deal. We have clients who are losing their deposits. We have people who are angry, but there's literally nothing that anybody can do. And I'm on this hospital bed rest with the belt around my waist, monitoring me 24-7. And my doctor comes in, Dr. Lee, and she says, Patrice, listen, I don't know what you're stressing about, but if you don't stop, you're going to leave here two years in a row with no baby. Because the year before... I had a son prematurely around 24 weeks and he passed after five hours in my arms. Same doctor, same floor, same hospital. And I had to make a choice to surrender because as much as my business had been my baby, this was going to finally be my chance to leave with a healthy baby. And I was like, God, you know what? If I did it before, I just have to believe that you'll show me how to do it again But I can't force, I can't manipulate, I can't do anything in this situation. The only thing that I can do is surrender. And I asked them to take the TV out of the room. And they had the maintenance people come in and take the TV off the wall because I didn't even want to be tempted with watching the news and letting that doom and gloom and all these stories overwhelm me. So they came, they took the TV off the wall and my husband brought me a Bible He brought me an iPod. (laughs) We didn't have iPads yet. He brought me an iPod with praise and worship music. And I had a red leather bound journal. And every day I sang to that baby. I wrote prayers. I wrote letters to her about who she would be and what she would look like. 
and I read my Bible and at 30 weeks pregnant, she finally came. She had had enough <laughs> about 30 weeks and five days. Um, and she was born three pounds, two ounces. And I left that hospital after three weeks of her being in the NICU. I left that hospital with a beautiful baby girl who is now 12 years old. Um, but I also left with over $300,000 in medical debt because I didn't know that while I was in the hospital, my insurance had dropped me. So no deals closed, no business going on, all the overhead. I owned 13 pieces of real estate between my husband and I. Some were just in his name, but collectively we owned 13 pieces of real estate. Many of our tenants were losing their jobs. They weren't paying rent and it was an absolute nightmare. So by the time you fast forward, my home had foreclosed a year later after me getting out of the hospital. My 6,000 square foot house foreclosed and we found ourselves in this eeny bitty teeny weeny 600 square foot apartment in Metairie, Louisiana, which is where I was on that floor bawling, snotting, crying and saying, God, how did I get here? Because I went to school. I did the right things. I treated people right. And I heard a still small voice say, get your Bible. And I ended up getting my Bible and I landed on the scripture it was Proverbs 17, 16. And it said, what good is money in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom? What good is money in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom? And that was the very first time that it hit me that I had been smart. I had all the education. I had a degree from the University of Southern California. And I had the certifications, I had all the knowledge in the world, but I didn't understand wisdom because wisdom is knowing how to apply all that knowledge and when to apply it and with whom. And because I didn't have wisdom, I never asked for help. I never asked for support. I suffered in silence. My friends and family knew nothing about what was going on with us once we moved. We sold everything on Craigslist in two days and just hit, like hit it. Nobody knew. And we were all by ourselves and reading that scripture, it was that moment. It just did something to me. It was a light bulb moment. And I remember just thinking like, man, I want to tell people this. I want to tell people like, I know that you think it's all about money. I know that you feel like if I just go harder, go bigger, go, go better, just keep grinding and all this stuff that everything will be fine. But that's not true. Like, there's another piece here. And so from that moment, March 9th, 2009 till present, my whole life has been about helping people understand that this journey is not just about chasing money. It's about seeking wisdom. I have not stopped crying for the last like nine minutes. You're so incredible. And what you bring to the table, the nuances of this conversation and how much you grasp and how much you've been through and just how you gracefully talk about not only the grace you were given, but your grace of surrender and the wisdom and the self-awareness that you pulled from that story. It's so beautiful, Patrice. I just today was listening to Gary Vee and he was saying, I'm so sad that people associate me with hustle because that's not really me. And he's like, I'm all about like the fun and the fulfillment. And I think what you just said is like, people are literally losing the entire treasure because you grind and you grind and you grind. It's like, for what? But here's what I want to get into now, which is just so unbelievably stunning you didn't make a choice, which was, and therefore, my friends, you need to not have money and you need to live very small. Mm -mm. You made the choice to say, how can I step back, look at my gifts, look at how the world needs me and serve from a purpose-driven place and make certain that it really fits the paradigm of how I want to live really wealthy, which is to really have wealth, my life, my children, yes. my time. So what does that look like and how do we build that? I'm really glad you asked that because for so long, you know, when I got up off that bathroom floor, the first thing I could think of, because I had just been introduced to someone 
who was a mommy blogger, like in Starbucks. And I didn't know what blogging was before that moment. This is, you know, a long time ago now. It wasn't like everybody had a blog. as it. Yeah, and you came from a different world. Like right now, brick and mortar. (laughs) Yeah, now it's like you're podcasting your books, but but then. But then it was was a brick and mortar business. I wasn't in the online space. I didn't really understand, but I just knew that I, I felt like I was called to share this nugget of wisdom even in the midst of being right in the middle of it, because I was receiving eviction notices and shut off notices. And still there was something in me that said, you have to share. So I started this blog and I thought that, you know, at least my friends and family would read and actually come to find out within weeks, nobody was (laughs) like my husband, my mom weren't even reading. And I became obsessed with this thought of like what people should know. And so long story short, that blog turned into me eventually writing for other big websites and then magazines and then radio. And then it became four years on the Steve Harvey show. And then it became all the TV success and all this stuff. Right. But I found myself, Kathy, slipping into the cliches. When someone would say, how did you do it? I started to say things like dream big and, you know, work hard and follow your passion. And I was like, I heard myself one day and I was like, who are you? Like, you're not the girl that was on the floor. I said in that moment, I said, God, when you restore me, I didn't even say when I said, if you restore me, I will go everywhere I can and tell people the truth, the truth about wealth. Cause I was starting in the looking at the difference between knowledge and wisdom. The other thing that I did was research what wealth was and wealth was not material money and wealth was not money and material possessions alone. Wealth was the condition of well-being. So while I felt it acceptable to talk about budgeting or credit reports or these things that I knew because it's what helped me build my business, it's how I educated my clients in the first place in the real estate and mortgage business, I didn't feel comfortable talking about all the other things that I was really doing behind the scenes because I thought if you want to be a personal finance expert, you need to stick to the hardcore money topics. But the more that I did that, I found myself doing a disservice to the very people I wanted to serve because people heard they should save 10% of everything that comes in. They heard they should budget. They know that there's three credit bureaus. They know these things. They know everything their big mama told them, right, about money, which that's all most of us really need to know, like on a very basic level. But what they didn't understand was the fact that They were so consumed with chasing what they thought was the end goal with the money that they were leaving all these other parts of themselves just open um, and cluttered and unfulfilled and not tapped into. So it was having a negative impact on their money. So while you can read personal finance book after book after book, there's a reason that your behavior is not matching up. And what I got to was stop lying. You're lying. You're lying. You're telling a half truth if you're not going to tell people everything that you know to be true about wealth. If you're only going to keep talking about money, that's one aspect. That's one pillar. That's one skill set. What about their faith? What about the fulfillment they have with their work? What about their relationships? What about their environment? What about how the, what they think of themselves? If you don't stop having these very surface level conversations, you're never going to be able to support people the way that you want to. So it was only just a couple years ago that I was like, no, I got to allow myself to get out of the personal finance box and have all of the conversations that I want to have. My God, what you just said, and you articulated it so well that that when you look up the definition of wealthy, it was your relationship to well-being. Mm -hmm. I had one of my best friends said to me, you know, Kathy, you're rich, but you don't live like you're rich. I said, what do you mean? She said, because you're, you're on Zoom calls all day long. Like you're constantly working. She goes, rich people don't do that. Really rich people, they're hanging out, you know, on the hammock, by the pool. You don't live that way. And I was like, oh my God, like I had gotten myself into this place. The way that I was living day, day, day after day, it was just like, it's the grind. Yeah. And I had shingles and I had a miscarriage and I had pneumonia and I was like, something has to be changed. And what I realized, Patrice, and I want to hear what you have to say about it is 
most often we work hard, but we don't work smart. Why don't you share with us what happened for you after the bathroom floor, after the awakening? How yeah. did you find your path here? And tell us all the things that you that you really love that you do in your business day to day now. Well, I'm going to connect it all because at Redefining Wealth, our very first pillar is called the fit pillar. It's about becoming your best self. And because of what you just shared, I really want to to kind of jump there because these are the things that I was doing that people didn't understand or I didn't really publicly talk about, but I know that it's led to who I am today and where I am today. And the reason that the fit pillar is first is because I always tell people, if you have a vision for your life, it's your duty and responsibility to protect the only vessel you get to execute that vision. We don't get multiple bodies in this life. You get one physical body, right? And we have been groomed and we have been misinformed for so long that if we hustle and grind, like that is the way, right? We don't really hear enough about ease and flow. We hear hustle and grind. And so we see people on social media who are glorifying things like I have not slept in days. And it's this whole thing about sleeping two and three hours a night. Here's the deal. You look nuts if you are sleeping two and three hours a night. There is no way for you to have the physical capacity to receive anything that you say you're praying for. You can pray all you want. And I've been there where I was like, God, enlarge my territory. I want to see the whole world. I was already on a national tour, right? But I was like, I want to go international. And I remember when I was in the emergency again, emergency room again, this is years later, I was there for food poisoning, but they did some tests and they came in and said, you realize you have like way more problems than food poisoning. I'm like, oh, is that so? Your iron levels are really low. You're extremely anemic. Your hemoglobin levels are so low. Like literally, if you were older, we would be giving you a blood transfusion right now. But we're going to oh, trust you. Gosh. We're going to trust you to get to a hematologist, right? I had been ignoring the signs. I had been ignoring the symptoms. I didn't know shortness of breath was a problem, right? Extreme fatigue, constant exhaustion. But I was like, well, I wore those things as a badge of honor. I wore exhaustion as a badge of honor because I was hustling and grinding and I was building my empire. So I thought it was okay to be exhausted. And especially as a mother and a wife, if my husband or my daughter had ever said they had those symptoms, I would have never let them go that long. But many of us, especially women, we will suffer in silence and we will go along with the symptoms. We'll diagnose ourselves on WebMD and we think that we can fix it and keep going. But if I have such a big call on my life, if I have people to serve, I do myself and my audience and everyone that I was called to help a disservice when I don't take care of myself. That comes first. That comes beyond even knowing what you're passionate about and all the things about purpose and everything else. You have to take care of you. You know, without us, Kathy, where's our family? And look at all the people we serve. What happens? Right? So the very first part is being physically fit, but we follow that up also with being mentally fit. And this is what I wanted to share with you about what your friend said. It is tapping into childhood wounds. That childhood trauma is what causes you to work as if you have not made it, right? Like, yes, you're always striving and you want to do more, but the truth is you don't have to work to the limit that you still work or that you were choosing to still work at that time that she had the conversation with you. And like you and like all of us, we have these childhood traumas and we have these things that impact how we see money, how we see ourselves, how we see financial success. And much of it is done through different conditioning. So whether those are verbal influences, what did you hear about money, right? If you heard someone say, the moment that you stop working, you lose, or you'll, you'll lose everything, that could be something that's running in the back of your head without you even thinking about it. It's like a subconscious belief, right? I know verbal, there's verbal influences, there's modeling, there's specific incidents, but even if it's not money related, for me, I grew up hearing that I was the ugly one. So I was always the ugly person in the family. 
And I was the blackie. I was the darkie. My lips were too full. My eyes were too weird. I always got made fun of. And I don't mean at school. I mean at home. I mean in my family. Okay. So I knew that I was smart. So I leaned into being smart, but I never felt beautiful. I never felt pretty. I was not the pretty friend, right? It was always something. Then I go to school. I'm tall, right? I was 5'10 in ninth grade. So I'm taller than most of the boys. I was really thin. So I used to wear extra clothes. Everything that could be wrong was wrong. And people picked me apart. And it wasn't until I was 25 years old, after three years of therapy, that I could look in the mirror and not cringe and wish that I looked like somebody else. I was a little girl in the bathtub scrubbing my skin because I thought that I was dirty because someone told me I was dirty. And I thought that if I scrubbed hard enough that there would be something lighter underneath. I was like a, a bath away from trying to bleach my skin with real bleach. This is a third and fourth grade child because of the trauma that I experienced at the hands of people who said they loved me. And why is that important? I share that because when I look at my life today and I look at all the personal development and the therapy and all the stuff that's gotten me to this place, and I see myself on national television or on stages in front of thousands of people or my face on these book covers, I know that I could not be who I am today if I did not deal with my childhood trauma. And I know that there's so many people who are listening right now. You have all the degrees, you have all the education, you've taken all the courses, you listen to all the podcasts, you are not short on knowledge at all, but you may need to go deal with some childhood trauma that is stopping you from showing up and just doing the things that you already know to do. Because I know Kathy knows we're both coaches. You can tell someone over and over again, just do it this way. Just follow these steps. I've laid out the plan and they will not follow and they cannot follow. It's not a cognitive thing. It is emotional trauma. It is childhood trauma. And your business is only going to grow to the extent that you are willing to heal that trauma. Oh my God. I mean, again, the words are so incredibly powerful. Your vulnerability is exquisite. And I'm like literally baffled by how you experienced X and literally exude Y because you glow. Like I'm literally in awe. I'm like intimidated by how gorgeous you are. So they, but it just goes to show what a joke, like what planet are you on? No one sees that, you know? Um, the point is you're so epic. The work you've done on yourself, it's so apparent because what you feel when you're in, in the presence of you, I just feel possibility and hope and mm. I only feel like light and magic. And you're like, do you see it? And it's for you. Like the mm -hmm. fact that you bring that to people and you've been through what you've been through to me is just so epic. So that's number one. Number two, a hundred percent. It's the, it's the case. I love what you just said. A friend of mine had said to me, there's a difference between having money and earning money. Okay. And certain people we earn we are good at earning. So even when we have it, we don't act like we do. So, so often I meet people, they have a goal, they hit the goal, they move that goalpost. They still have a relationship with, in order for me to have, in order for me to receive, I have to literally like crawl on my knees for thousands of miles. So, so many people listening right now are probably like, preach, amen, I'm in, but like how, you know, how do I know that I have any value if I don't really feel like I do? Mm -hmm. How do I start a business? What does that even mean? What's the first step? How can I get there? How can I figure out what I'm good at? How could I possibly make a living with ease? So there's a couple things that come to mind immediately. Um, the first thing is giving yourself permission to really embrace your gifts. So I think a part of why people want the journey to be hard or why they expect it to be hard is because it just does not seem real that you should be able to do work that you love and things that you're naturally good at and charge the money that you want to charge. What I hear from women so often is, but like, that's what God gave me. And, and it's like, right, exactly. That's what God gave you to produce wealth. That's not what God gave you to get pimped, like to give away freely and not acknowledge your worth or your value. We tend to think that 
when something comes to us freely that it's so easy that we shouldn't do anything with it. We tend to negate the gift. We'll say things like, I mean, well, anyone can do that or everybody's good at that or anybody, you know, can do this. And it's like, actually, no, right? I have friends that can throw together gourmet meals. I mean, MacGyver, the most random ingredients together until it is amazing. And then you have me who walks in the kitchen and I immediately start to sweat and get anxiety, right? Not my gift, not my strong suit, right? So it's acknowledging first that there is a gift and then embracing that that's the thing and not searching forever and ever thinking, no, it must be this thing. Like my gift is speaking, period, can I just raise my hand and say that I know that's your gift too? Okay. <laughs> I want to be one of like 16 million people who goes, yep, I knew that. <laughs> right. My gift is speaking. That is the very thing, Kathy, that I got in trouble for though, all through school. And I remember my first grade teacher, Ms. Boynton, I had I this thing where I would like raise my hand. I always had the answer. I want to know the answer. And she says, Ms. Cunningham, which is my maiden name, put your hand down. I was like, excuse me. That's what I'm thinking in my six-year-old brain. Like, what? I have the answer. She needs to call on me. And she kept me back at recess. And she said, I know you know the answer, but at this point, you need to be willing to help your other friends who don't know get the answer. I don't need you to just keep saying it. I need you to help them. That was the first lesson I had in supporting other people, like using the fact that I was going to talk anyway, one way or another, but using it in a way that supported other people. That's why it made sense to me when I was on the bathroom floor. My first thought was, I got to share. I got to tell people. I have to go talk about it. Well, now that's what I get paid to do. I talk on my podcast. I talk from the stage. I talk on radio. I talk on television. All I do is talk. The only thing I had to do was figure out, talk about what, but the gift was in speaking. It wasn't fancy. We all do it. You know, like it wasn't something that was just so special. The special piece came in, right? Allowing myself to get passionate about something enough to use my gift. People think that passion is the thing. So they'll go, well, follow your passion and the money will come. Well, no, some of you are passionate about things you have no business charging for. I can be passionate about singing, but I need to keep that to the shower. Okay. (laughs) Kathy, you would not love me if you heard me sing. (laughs) I can be passionate about that, but that's not my purpose because my purpose is going to be used to be a blessing to other people. If it's only going to be helpful to me, or if I'm the only one that can benefit, it's not purposeful. It's not needed in the world, right? So when I allowed myself to accept, like, look, girl, only thing you got going (laughs) is that mouth, right? You don't have a problem standing up and talking and sharing. That's when everything started to really unfold for me, this second wave of having a business and creating America's Money Maven. It was giving myself permission to use one of the most basic things, but accepting that's your gift, Mm-hmm. And then allowing it, allowing myself to become passionate enough about how I could use it to support other people. That was the connection for me. I mean, so many gems in there, like one sentence, but it's kind of a through line, which was I gave myself permission to start doing it, right? And you also talked about charging what you're worth. And again, there's permission there, right? Like when you start a podcast, when you start talking on Instagram, No one comes over and knocks on the door and goes, "Uh, we're going to give you permission. You can start now, right? Like, Never coming. I have to tell you, I remember when people would ask me, who who made you America's Money Maven? And I would say, I did. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, I didn't have to wait for someone to come and crown me. Like, I've done the work. I'm helping people. This is the moniker that I'm going with, like, this is what I call myself. They're like, oh, I thought Steve Harvey crowned you. No, Steve Harvey called me what I already called myself. That's what he did. He got behind what I already said about me first. Exactly, exactly. Everything you're saying is incredible. But before we keep going, let's just thank our sponsor. 
We're all adapting to this changing world, which means we're going to be buying online more than ever before. And if you're an e-commerce seller, you can be ready to meet the demands of our new delivery culture with ShipStation. Even if you're just starting to sell your art on Etsy or you already have a thriving business selling hand-knit scarves, ShipStation makes it easy and affordable to get those orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep customers happy. I know you're all such good-hearted people who want to serve others in the highest way possible, so I definitely recommend you check this out because it's really going to help you get your customers what they really want and need from you. It's the number one choice of online sellers, which is no surprise considering you'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And for those of you who sell through different platforms like Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface so you can easily manage them from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use our offer code DREAMJOB. Make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of delivery culture. Get started at ShipStation.com today. Click on the microphone at the top of the home page and type in dream job that's shipstation.com then enter offer code dream job shipstation.com make ship happen so let's talk about what happens from that point of like this is what i'm passionate about this is what i think is my gift i'm going in i'm giving myself permission and yet people will say yeah but patrice i started talking about stuff on instagram or i started whatever and no one's coming or it's not working how do i go from here to getting noticed by someone like Steve Harvey or building a business or beginning to be able to come up with an offer now that I can charge for? Like, what does that progression look like? Yeah. So the first thing that happened is I had to keep talking to that little devil on my shoulder that kept saying, who are you? Who do you think you are? What do you like? What do you think this is? Right. And then, like I said earlier, when my husband and mom, when I could tell that they weren't even reading the blog, I gave up. I actually stopped for several weeks and there was a man who actually emailed me out of the blue who said, Hey, I hope you're well. I have been enjoying your blog and you haven't posted lately. And at the time, remember I was new to the online world. I was like, who is this creepy man? I don't, where did he come from? How does he know me? What is this? I hadn't learned how to like check comments and read the back end. I only knew how to type my little stuff and oh post God, a picture. I, I had, I didn't know anything about it. So I went and I saw that people, I had page views and people actually had been reading. And that one man, I call him my angel to this day. He taught me the importance of an audience of one is still an audience. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we claim to be passionate, purposeful. (laughs) We claim to be passionate and purposeful about something. But then if we don't have a big audience, we give up quickly. The thing with entrepreneurs, especially, you know, we have shiny monkey syndrome and there's always something new is that we will do a million things once and then get upset because we don't get the results that we want. How did I get here? Consistency. I was calling myself money maven and showing up. My first speaking gigs were not to 10,000 people. They were to four people in the library. Okay. Like I wrote my own guide for basic personal finances and went to churches in New Orleans outside of Metairie where I lived at the time and went around like pitching myself to pastors. Only one person allowed me to do a session and it was a four part session. And once the first night there was like 10 people. Then the second Monday, the next week, those people invited folks and the word got around church that it was good. Like 30 plus people came on my fourth night. There were like a hundred people. And that was the thing that was like, you're on to something. You're on to something. Like people oh get God. it, they connect to you. But those were my first things. Speakers speak. Coaches coach. Like consultants consult. You have to find ways to do the thing until you are able to get paid for it. And I'm not saying that you do it for free forever, but the way that you really encourage yourself to raise your worth is to see the impact that you make totally. on people. Like the results are in the people. So if the people are getting results, now I know mm, I should probably charge more than $200 to speak. The next phase was 500 and then it was a thousand and then it was 2,500 and then it was 3,500 and then five and then 10 and then 15. I didn't start at 15,000 a gig. I didn't start at 20,000 a gig. I started at 200 a gig, but I served those people like I was getting 200,000. And the thing is, if you, especially when you're starting, but even for me now, I don't care if I walk in someplace and there's 10 people or 10,000 people, I'm going to show up and give the same energy and enthusiasm and passion because guess what? I'm doing what I said I wanted to do. That should be the first thing that gets you fired up. Not how many people and not how many folks like 
and not how many people comment. That should be the first thing that encourages you to be consistent. So beautiful. Wow. An audience of one. Still an audience. Last time I checked. Oh my gosh, is that so important to hear. Now, you were describing in the beginning of this whole episode what you went through in 2008. Now, a lot of people sitting here are really in a tough spot because we haven't seen what we're seeing now since 2008. And you're like, hey guys, live through it. So for people who are here now, especially because the way that you did the pivot allowed you to build an online business, allowed you to talk to human beings all over the world, what do you have to say to people right now who are worried that they won't have a brick and mortar to go back to, who very much need to get on the board and understand, how am I going to create something right now? Like, what would you suggest? So my suggestion would be definitely to get really clear about what message you want to get out there. Like what is the big promise, right? That you have for other people. So the thing that really just supported me at that time was understanding that I just didn't want people to suffer the way that I was suffering. I just wanted to restore hope. So my only thing was how do I provide something that restores hope? And I use the blog to do that. What is that thing that you want to get out there? Even if right now it's just sharing your experience. Can you do that through a blog? Can you do that through YouTube? Can you do that through, you know, your Instagram page? Even just having people follow your journey. And I'll actually have to take it back. You're going to have to be vulnerable and be okay with saying that, you know, stuff is hitting the fan for me right now. And I just want to document it. And I want to take as many people with me as possible because so many people are suffering, but the way that you maybe navigating this can be inspiring to others. It could be therapeutic for both parties, you and the audience, right? So I think creating meaningful content that's genuine right now is going to win. And based on the response of the audience, again, that audience of one, if you have one random man named Joe that comments on everything, what are Joe's pain points and what does he need, right? Because if he has to be the only beta tester you have, for your program, for your course, for your product, for whatever that thing is, he's going to be the one that would give you the feedback. But I would say another thing, honestly, it's kind of like giving yourself permission, but it's actually looking at this time as a gift and an opportunity. And I know that that is really hard when stuff is hitting the fan and you're like, this is nuts. But if you can embrace that a little sooner, quicker, faster, You will give yourself the empowerment to get creative and figure it out, right? And like find a way to figure it out. The longer you stay stuck in like, this sucks, like my whole life, my this, my that, and you stay in the mode of like whining and complaining because at the end of the day, this is another moment in time where we all have to surrender. So we have to surrender and see what the possibilities are for what's next right? And I know for me, at the time that everything hit the fan, I had a great life. I was living very well. We drove matching Range Rovers. We lived in a 6,000 square foot home in Southern Cal. Like I was eating good, traveling good. You couldn't have told me that going through that experience would bring me to who I am today. I wouldn't have let go. I would have stayed wound up in no, why me, why me, why me? Instead of finally releasing and going, God, tell me something. What, what can this mean? What are the opportunities here? Because this could be a blessing or a lesson. It doesn't have to be the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. And once I shifted that mindset, the world opened up. And I think there's another opportunity. And I'm uncomfortable in some places, right? A lot of my income is from speaking. But guess what I started to do? I changed the tags on my website. I'm now a virtual keynote speaker. Already got booked, right? That wasn't a thing for me two months ago, but now it is. And now there's so much opportunity. So how do we keep reimagining what's possible for us as opposed to staying in this attachment to what what was? Because we don't know if things are going to go back just to normal. So you can't hold on to that. You can see it as an opportunity to stretch and grow and get out of your comfort zone and possibly discover a new version of yourself that you might be quite pleased with. You just don't know yet. Yeah. I have a question because we haven't even covered it. You're, you have so much in your journey that's so incredible that we didn't even cover 
the before, right? The before you had this incredibly successful business at 25, living in a 6,000 square foot house, driving matching Range Rovers. You, correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't grow up that way. Girl, no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that you said you grew up in South Central or did you not tell me that? I did tell you that. I grew up in an area called Lamert Park in South Central Los Angeles. Right. So how on earth did you change your relationship to money and possibility so drastically? Um, I grew up in South Central, like you said, in a neighborhood infested with gang violence, drive-by shootings, prostitution, drug use, like you name it, I saw it out the window. I lived oh above God. a storefront on a main street in LA. And literally there was a bus stop right across the street. And my grandma and I saw a boy get his head blown off. And I was like in third grade. So I knew really young. I used to say, I don't belong here. That's what I used to tell my mom and my grandma. Now as an adult, now with a child, I look back and I'm like, that was really rude. (laughs) I was probably, they probably thought I was nuts, but I used to say, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. And I think I was born with a strong sense of purpose, even though I wasn't around people that can cultivate it. I just always wanted more. And the fact that I was verbally and emotionally traumatized a bit in my home and out really made me go in a lot. I really was big on self-awareness, even as a little kid. Like, how am I showing up? What does it look? It was true, like, self-reflection. Like, I was very in tune with, like, how people were perceiving me or perceiving things. I just always carried that with me. And I'm just really grateful. What helped was teachers along the way, parents of other friends along the way. And I, as a parent now, it's really important to me to encourage my daughter's friends, even just through little things like, oh, you're so cute. Look at you. You're fly. Because you really don't know what they're thinking about themselves and what conversations. And if you knew me as a child, because I was smart, people assumed that I was okay all the time. So because I could show up and do the spelling bee, they didn't know how uncomfortable I really was with people looking at me. I was more comfortable with, I knew that I could compete, you know, and be good at something. So it was the people who came in my life along the way. I didn't know to call them mentors or anything like that. But Mrs. Boynton, that first grade teacher, she planted the seed in me that when I know something, I help people. Well, that's who I am today, right? At 39 years old, that's what I do today. That gives me chills. And when I look at- Yeah, when I look at different teachers, not all of them, because some of them added to the problem, but when I look at different teachers along my path, when I look at folks from church along my path who spoke life into me, it is that reminder that we have the ability to speak life and it can change anything. And had it not been for those people who were, you know, strategically placed throughout my life, I don't know that I would be here. But those people have served as angels in many forms and capacities, and they just really cultivated um, this idea that I could do anything. And once I got over this hump mentally of what I looked like and being ashamed of all these things, things really took off for me much differently because I started to see myself the way I believe God sees me, which is in his image. And once I started to feel that, and really lean more into the what is, meaning for me, that's what the Bible says about what I'm possible of and that the charge to be bold and to be courageous and to fear not, you know, and all these things. And right, when I started to lean into that versus the what ifs, which are all the fear and all the noise and all the things that other people try to plant, it's not that it's not there because I don't consider myself fearless. I have fear and I move instead, (laughs) like I move with it. And like I said, I just keep showing up consistently. And I feel that I've just attracted the most amazing people, folks like you who will say, I don't know, I just stumbled upon you and here we are. But I'm like, I know. I want all of it all day. (laughs) I know that this was strategic and this happens over and over again. But I also think it comes from a strong faith practice and trying to like, put out there the things that I want to come back. 
Yeah. Well, oh my God, that is so amazing. You know, no wonder you're paid to speak. People should give you any amount of money because it's, it's how you speak, but it's what you speak. And it's, it's just so incredible to hear your story and the way that you see the world. And I, I love what you just said about not buying into all that, those spinning fears. And instead what you've then done is been like, okay, well, I'm going to trust that the creator of the world sees me in this beautiful way. But that also leads to trusting other things, right? Like I think a lot of people in this time feel like, oh my God, there's no clients available. There's no people to serve. There's no money there. And I'm like, how about start from the place of there's so many people to serve and there's so much money there because the world is abundant. It really is. Look at the rainforest. It's abundant. Look at the ocean. It's abundant. Look at love. It's abundant. Money. It's abundant, right? Human beings to serve. Abundant. You know, I got in trouble with some folks when the pandemic first started because people were dropping in my DMs and saying, how can I possibly charge people when we're in the middle of a pandemic? Right. And And what did you say? I said, everybody is not struggling. We might all be at home. But to have this mindset that everybody is struggling not is a fact. going to stop you from being able. Here's the other thing. You have a responsibility to serve, right? If you know how you can keep somebody from suffering, there are literally people who are not sleeping at night because you're their solution. And they're waiting for you to step up and show up and show out and shine so that they can see you and finally get the result that they're looking for. And here you are hiding. They need you now more than ever. You know, if you want to change up your payment plan, cool. If you want to find a way to tweak this longer course so it can be shorter and you can charge less, cool. But to not show up is a disservice to people. And you should be ashamed because it's an insult. You're leaving people in pain and you're insulting the very God that gave you the gift and the story and whatever it is you're supposed to be using to be a blessing. And it's a shame. Amen. So true. Wow. Doesn't that just put it all in perspective? Last thing is, we've touched on it a little bit, but I think even when people give themselves permission to start to serve and give, even when people start to give themselves permission to test things out and to show up and to learn that they are needed by doing the speech at the library, by coaching just to coach, when the rubber meets the road and they now know they are good at this, when they now know that they do serve a mission with this work, still charging for it is a whole nother rung on that ladder, which is very hard for people. And you really are great at being like, this is it. This is what you charge and you can keep raising your rates. And what I see in general is most people could be making so much more if they would just raise their rates, like rate, like why not charge more? Like don't sell price, sell value, right? Because they think it has to be hard. That goes back to that hustle and grind mentality in the beginning, right? They, it's like, oh, I got to get a hundred people to do the thing. Or you could raise your price and do it with 10. That's literally the choice. So what is it? Exactly. Do you just rip the bandaid off and just put your price out and you'll be surprised what people say? Well, here's what I really believe. I believe that there is no transformation without transaction. And so it's not about ripping the Band-Aid off. I think you need to stop putting a Band-Aid on people, right? Putting a Band-Aid on these problems that are like bleeding neck problems. They are probably, again, really hurting, really in pain, really in some type of hell. And when you don't charge what you're supposed to charge and they can't take it seriously enough to do the work, then they don't transform. And so do you want to be someone who adds a Band-Aid or do you want to perform surgery, right? If I'm lying in the middle of the street bleeding, I'm not going to ask the person who runs up and says, I'm a doctor. I'm not going to be like, hold up. What school did you go to though? Wait a minute. How much is you helping me in the street? Gonna, gonna cost me. I got to think about it. I'm like, (laughs) we think people are thinking about how we serve or what we offer. People are not really thinking about that. They want the result. They want the better marriage. They want the better body. They want better finances. They want their home to be clutter free because they know how that is going to impact everything else. Like they want the thing 
they're not concerned about all the things that we make it about. Oh my gosh, I don't have enough degrees in that. I need to get certified. I need six more coaching certifications before I can, or I'm only going to be able to charge $2 or no, no, that's not true. If you truly have a desire to transform people, the transaction has to be significant enough for them to take it seriously. Yep. Every single thing you said, I just want to hear it on repeat because all of it is the best. You're, you are the best. I can't wait for this audience to know you if they hadn't known you yet. Tell them where they can find more of you, all of the beautiful light and truth that you put in the world. So everything Patrice Washington can be found at patricewashington.com. Of course, the podcast is Redefining Wealth and you can find it anywhere you listen um, to, I'm sure, this podcast. And my favorite social media hangout has been Instagram. That's where I show up the most in DMs and answer people's questions. So I would love for you to meet me there. Seek Wisdom PCW. That's Seek Wisdom PCW. We will put all of that in the show notes and... You are an absolute gift. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're so incredible, Kathy. I adore you. Thank you so much. Oh my God. Patrice is incredible. Here are the takeaways. Number one, it's not about chasing money. It's about seeking wisdom. Number two, wealth is not about material possessions and money alone. Wealth is a condition of well-being. Number three, your business will only grow to the extent that you are willing to heal your trauma. Number four, give yourself permission to embrace your gifts. You don't have to go searching for it forever and ever. Number five, an audience of one is still an audience. Number six, surrender to this moment and see what possibilities are next. Look at this time as a gift and opportunity to stretch, get out of your comfort zone and discover a new version of yourself. Number seven, we have the ability to speak life and it can change anything. And number eight, you have a responsibility to serve. There are people who aren't sleeping at night because you are their solution. They need you now more than ever. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. I know that there's a million things you could be doing with your time. It means the world. I'm so grateful that you're here. And if you want to jump in on the five-day experience that I'm doing, it starts today. It's free. Go to kathyheller.com slash challenge or kathyheller.com slash here for this. Either way, you will get to sign up. It's starting today. I'll be live at noon Pacific. If you can't be there with us live, we will send you the replay. kathyheller.com slash challenge or kathyheller.com slash here for this. Whichever one will get you there. And I would love to be spending this time with you. And do you feel like the show is changing your life or adding something to your life that's positive? If so, can you think of one person right now who could benefit from this episode? Can you think of one person who needs to hear Patrice or who needs to hear this show? If so, please share the episode. It really is helping more than you know. We have moved up the chart to like number 29 because you guys are tagging and sharing and subscribing. It is literally helping other people find the show and it means everything and it doesn't cost you a dime. So I'm going to be doing two incredible giveaways every single month. I'll be giving two people a scholarship to my program plus some awesome swag. We have these adorable hoodies that say heart of a hero and these mugs that say let your color shine. All you have to do is star, which stands for subscribe, tag, and review. So Subscribe to the show wherever you listen. It's free. Talk about the show on Instagram and tag a friend. Then leave us a review and take a screenshot and email us your review to hello at don't keep your day job with the subject line star. And we will enter you into that. And we will be choosing two of you every month. And I would say those are pretty good giveaways. It costs you like three minutes to enter and it changes the whole game for us. So thank you to everyone who's been doing that. You guys are the best. I hope to see you for this five-day experience. You can go to kathyheller.com slash here for this and you can join us. This is going to be amazing and I will see you real soon. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you on Thursday for the next episode or I'll see you in the five-day experience. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. When you just can't sleep When you're counting sheep I'll be here for you, I'll be here for you When you need to talk Take a good long walk I'll be here for you, I'll be here for you Of all the people on the planet If I had my choice I couldn't have planned it better than this It doesn't get better than this
You will come for me, you'll be there for me.